Amen. First John. So we'll look at First John all the way at the end of your Bible. Short book. We'll look at the first four verses, but because it is a short book, I'm going to read it in its entirety, five chapters, amen, and then we'll just look at four verses, all right? <laughs> Michelle laughed at me as well when I said that, but, amen, it's not often we can read a whole text together, uh, but it is good because we'll, we'll, we'll see some of the themes, all right? So let's read here together, we'll start in verse 1. And we'll read all of it. John writes, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. This is a message we have <clears throat> heard from him and declared to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and, and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in, in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. 
They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one denies the Son and the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, you see that, you, that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The, re the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should, not love, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is the command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. 
Dear, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among, among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he, he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he, the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they had not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. 
All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. You read an entire book of the Bible this week. All right. Let's have a prayer, and then we'll just look at the first four, okay? Uh, Father, we, uh, we do thank you for John, and obviously the words of, of wisdom that you gave him, God. Uh, we do pray that, that you bless the, the coming weeks as we look at this, the, this text, uh, as we, we dissect this letter and consider the, the, the warnings uh, and the, 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 the promises that are included in these, Father. We want to be a people that, that live uh, in a way that glorifies you. We want to be a people who uh, hold to the truth that was entrusted to your Son and passed down to the apostles, Father. Help us, God. Help us to navigate the, the, the complex world in which we live, God, uh, and to really be beacons of, of life to all those searching for you, God. Again, be with us, God, as we look at this text. We ask all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that. First uh, John is a, is, a great, is a great letter. I've had the privilege of preaching through it several times. I preached through it when we lived in Miami, uh, and then again in Melbourne. And every time I go through it, it's, it's, it's richer and richer, all right? Uh, it is a somewhat of a challenging book, and, and part of the reason why I wanted to read it all uh, is because there's not really clear structure, right? Uh, if you were reading in Greek, you'd pick that up right in the beginning because those first four verses are all just one long sentence, right? And that kind of is, is exactly how John writes. Uh, he has a lot to say, and he goes from, from this topic to this topic, and then returns back to this topic, and then goes to this one, and then back. But all the while, what he's doing is hammering the, the, the same kind of core ideas deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. All right? So there will be times where as we go through, you know, fairly short book, where it'll seem repetitive. But again, you know, John is adding layers upon layers to, to try to push the truth of the gospel deeper and deeper into our lives. Amen? Uh, so let's look at just kind of three quick things here, just from these first four verses uh, which are very much perhaps an introduction uh, to, you know, the whole letter, right? Which, fun fact, some people think First John is actually an introduction to the Gospel of John, right? Uh, the, the first thing that hopefully you picked up, and for sure is hammered in as you, as you read the entire letter, letter uh, is that Jesus is legendary. I mean, John, John says some pretty epic things here about Jesus. Uh, and even as he's trying to help these first century believers navigate the false teachings of their day, uh, he almost always brings it back to Jesus. And there, you know, basically with Jesus, whether their faith is in him or not determines their final destiny. Whether they love like him or not determines whether they're really in him. Right? Whether they're, you know, he is the touchstone for everything, right? Uh, he is the life. He is the source of eternal life, Right? Uh, he is legendary, uh, you know, but the play on words there is, but he, he's not a legend, right? Because a lot of times we, we hear, uh, you, you, you hear this, and we've talked about this idea, uh, but, but when, you, when you think about John, right? John here is writing, he is uh, the, the last apostle to die, right? So most people think John is writing 1 John, uh, you know, 85 A.D., 
All right. Uh, by 90 AD, uh, you know, his, the, the gospel of John is complete and that's circulating. Uh, Clement of Rome, who's not an apostle, but was a, 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 a companion of the apostles, he references 1 John in his writings around 90 AD. Right? So, but John's writing at the, at, you know, at the later end of the apostolic age. And already, as you, as you read the whole letter, right, you can hear that he is having to combat counterfeit forms of Christianity. Right? Uh, and, and one of the counterfeit things we encounter all the time is this idea that, that you know, all of Christianity and Jesus specifically is just like a myth, like folklore, right? a legend in that sense, right? Uh, you know, not, not like drop bears, right? Everyone that's a foreigner that comes into Australia, there's always some Australian that will try to dupe you with the, the myth of the drop bear. Right? They're not real jihad. All right? Don't be, don't be scared, right? Uh, you know, but, but a lot of times people think that's, that's the same as Jesus. That it's just kind of a, an urban legend. That it's just kind of a myth that's kind of been passed down through the telephone game over the years. Uh, you know, and it's, you shouldn't really believe it. Right? You really shouldn't cling to it. Right? But, but John is really pushing back very strongly against that. Right? He repetitively throughout the letter... But even, even more densely in the first four verses, hammers in his role as an eyewitness. Did you notice that? In verse 1, he emphasizes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen him, we have looked at, we have touched. Right? John is not far removed from Jesus. He's not... 15, 20 links down the chain of some myth that's been created in someone's backyard uh, because they had too much wine to drink. John is saying, I was there, guys. I touched him. I saw him. I heard him with my own ears. Right? And again, he says the same thing there in verses 2 to 3, emphasizing he has seen it. He appeared to us. He says, we are telling you what we have seen and what we have heard. And even verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. John is saying there, there are no other links here, guys. When you, when you hear the writings of John the Apostle, when you, he, you, know, when you read the, the, the gospel of Mark coming from Peter's perspective, then you, you, you're hearing from an eyewitness. And like we talked about on Easter... A pretty valuable eyewitness. And eyewitnesses that, that, by all accounts, they all laid down their lives rather than recant. Right? And we need to understand that because Jesus is for sure legendary, but he is not some legend. Right? And one of the big things I discovered years ago, right? You, you, you know, uh, if you're really, if you're a pharaoh, right? And you die, this is what you get. They make a gold, uh, you know, gold mask for you, uh, put you in a gold you know, tomb, uh, encompassing your body, right? Uh, if you're a middle-class folk, this is what you got, right? So this is probably what a vast majority of us would have had, uh, right? Not the gold, but paper mache. Exciting, but not really that exciting, right? But what's interesting is, is you know, archaeologists uh, years ago uh, found one of these, not the gold ones, but the paper mache ones, uh, in Egypt, obviously, 
uh, and they you know, began to, to peel the layers apart and have a closer look at them. Uh, and lo and behold, what, what was one of the paper machés that was used was a Bible, which is an interesting thing, right? Because if you're, if you're uh, in Egypt, uh, you know, in you know, first century, 100 A.D., right, uh, and, and you have in your possession a copy of the Gospel of Mark, which is what that paper mache piece was, right? That in itself would be of immense value. It would not be what you would be selecting for paper mache craft time, right? Even if it was a very beloved member of your family, right? If you had a copy of that, it would be enormous, right? A year's salary to pay a, a scribe to make you a copy uh, of something like that, right? But, but what the reality is, is that if in 100 A.D. one has been in circulation so long that it's beginning to be deteriorated to the point that it is chosen to then be used for paper mache, that pushes the dating of the Gospel of Mark to, to 40 A.D.? 35 A.D.? I mean, very, very early. Jesus was, you know, began his ministry at 30, was crucified by 33, and ascended. Christianity is beginning to, to spread 30, 34, 35, maybe 38, beginning to really go out into the world in the 40s. For, for a copy of the Gospel of Mark to end up in Egypt, to be present long enough to deteriorate and then to be used as paper mache, pushes the dating to right on top of it. Right? Right on top of it. And if you've ever tried to make up something about somebody else, you can't do it if the person is there, right? Because it'll be disputed. It'll be pushed back against. But, but, but that kind of stuff, the, the archaeological finds, and even what John is saying here is, is pushing back against what so many people think and pushing back on them to, to, to understand, hey, when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading you know, First John, or you're reading a gospel, man, you are reading an eyewitness account. You have a piece of paper in front of you that has so much relevance for your life and can challenge your life on every, every level, right? Uh, and, and it's trustworthy that what you're reading is what they wrote. And John, again, as I was saying, throughout this letter is pushing back against false forms of Christianity. And here's the sobering reality for all of us in this room. If in 85 or 90 AD, the apostles were already having issues with counterfeit forms of Christianity arising, for us, 2,000 plus years after the fact, you think we have a problem with that? You better believe it. We have a massive problem with that. Massive problem. Now, what's the solution? Is get back to the eyewitnesses. Get back to just the Bible. Peel back the false layers. Toss them, toss them aside. Throw away the, 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 the forms of Christianity that have come about by man's own invention. Toss away anything that doesn't line up with what the apostles have to say. Right? I mean, John goes to great lengths to tell the church then that that should be their approach. Right? If they're hearing something that doesn't agree with the apostles' teaching, they're meant to discard it. And like I'm saying, we've we got to sit here with soberness, realizing that if in 90 AD that was a problem, 
my goodness, we have a much bigger problem. One of the first times I went to a Christian event as an adult was a Friday devotional uh, at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I went there, had really no idea about Christianity, had grown up attending church, but pretty much spaced out or having naps every sermon, uh, you know, and eventually it left home and it stopped, you know, any kind of religious uh, thought or pursuit, right? But kind of hit rock bottom and God had been humbling me by smashing my pride, uh, you know, and then so I agreed to go to a Friday Devo, uh, but the pride was well and truly still alive. And then I sat there and I listened to this guy who we had come speak last year uh, in, in February named Ed Anton, and Ed Anton was teaching on early Christian beliefs, right? And, and one, of the, one of the reasons why he was doing that was to just, you know, to help dispel all the historical baggage we have in Christianity. And get back to, hey, here's what the apostles, you know, here's what they taught, right? And if you're unsure about what their writing meant, well, just look at the next generation of people who knew them, like Clement of Rome, who was buddies with John, right? He would be a good source for understanding what John meant in John 3, rather than some guy who lived 1,000 years after the fact or 2,000 years after the fact. And I was at that Devo, and, and, and one of the things that, that Ed was pushing back on was the modern-day concept, which is widespread in Christianity, which is a sinner's prayer. And he was pushing back on that, helping, you know, helping, helping me to see that, you know what, that there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. The people who hear the gospel message in the New Testament, and they want to respond to it with faith and repentance, then they are baptized for the forgiveness of sins. They are not told to pray this prayer. Right? Me and all my arrogance of having never cracked the Bible, uh, you know, then went up to Ed and had to go at Ed. Like, come on, man, where are you making this stuff up? And I think Ed even told this story when he came, you know. And Ed was very gracious to me and he, you know, gave me some, you know, sources to go read. But, but man, that, that's a reality. A lot of times we have all this baggage in our head and our hearts of what we think Christianity is. But if it's not connected to the eyewitnesses, if it's not rooted and established in that, you need to toss it out. You need to let it go. Because there's great danger. There's great danger in believing a lie. There's great danger in basing your faith on something that's not established by Jesus and the apostles. There are tremendous promises attached to truth. But deviating from that is great danger. And John here is putting himself in the introduction of the book in the position that he is in, which is that of an eyewitness. And he's telling you, look, I was there. I heard it firsthand. And that's what I'm passing on. And that which has been passed on cannot be changed. Cannot be altered. There are parts of it you won't like. There are parts of it you won't agree with. That's life. We need to change, not the message. All right? And that's what John is outlining. Right? That needs to be our heart. And as we go through his, his letter, we're going to see that idea over and over and over. Jesus, for sure, is legendary, but we've got to understand this is not mythology, guys. This is not folklore. John is serious. We need to take seriously his warnings. If we claim to be in him, but we don't walk as Jesus walked, we're not in him. If we claim we love him, but we can't love one another, John says, no, that's not possible. He has some very, very clear things to say, right? And we need to understand that these are not just things John is making up in his spare time. He's a firsthand eyewitness passing on exactly what he has been told to pass on. Amen? Secondly, and much quicker, I promise. 
right? The man is the message, and the message is the man, right? The man is the message, and the message is the man, right? The introduction is cryptic, and, he, and it's very interesting because it's, you know, he, he's, he's talking about Jesus, but how he describes him is not super clear, right? When he uses it, not he. He refers to him as the word of life, right? He refers to him as the life that has appeared, we proclaim to you the eternal life, right? And there's, you know, commentaries right, you know. Who is he talking about? Is he talking about Jesus or is he talking about what Jesus said? Is he talking about the messenger or is he talking about the message? Right? And one of my nephew's favorite phrases is, por qué no los dos, which in Spanish means, why not both, right? Which he uses at mealtime. Cameron, do you want this meal? Do you want this meal? Porque no los dos. I'll have both, right? Uh, and a lot of times what happens, though, is we do, we, we do separate, right? With Christianity, in regards to Jesus and the message, there is no separating, right? There's no separating. The, the false doctrines that were arising in, 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 in John's time were all about separating, right? Uh, one of the two of the common ones, right, were forms of Gnosticism, right? And Gnosticism is this idea of knowledge or secret wisdom, right? And there was uh, docetic Gnosticism, uh, which this was, not, this was not their logo, right? Uh, you know, but uh, the docis, docis Gnostics thought, right? Okay, Jesus is God. We have no problem with that. But there's no way he was a man that was killable. So whatever happened on the cross that was, you know, a, an illusion or he did a switcheroo with Judas when no one was looking, you know, but there's no way... Jesus as God could die as a man. They couldn't wrap their minds around that. They didn't like that. And so they tried, to, they tried to separate. Right? Then you have other forms of Gnosticism, anti, antinomian uh, Gnosticism, which is, you know, antinomian, anti-law. Right? And so they had this idea that, you know what, I could have, uh, you know, correct theology. And that can be completely separate from how I live. Right? All that matters is that I have the right beliefs in my head, in my heart. And it doesn't matter how I live day in and day out. Right? And so, you, you know, again, as we heard all of 1 John, you can probably pick up ways he's going after that. You have this belief? Well, you want to know how you really have this belief? If this happens in your life. Because you can't separate them. You can't split them apart. You can't just say, I have this you know, belief about Jesus, but I'm not going to live like him. It doesn't work. And, and, and so much, you know, again, back, this is history, guys. Uh, over the course of history, Christianity sometimes is like a ping pong ball, ba bounce back and forth. Or other people say like a pendulum swing, right? Goes to one extreme and people overreact and go to the other extreme. And again, what's John trying to help the church do? Navigate it. <laughs> Cling to the truth because there's a lot of false forms in that. Right? But you can't separate the person, which is the, the living, breathing, walking around day in and day out, Jesus. How he lived, how he interacted with people, what he pursued, what he valued. You know, everything about his day-to-day -day life. You can't separate that from the message. You can't sit here on a Sunday and have the message. And then Monday to Saturday, day in and day out, live however you want. It's the same thing. 
Right? I would say there's a great, there's incredible parallels between Gnosticism in the first century and evangelical Christianity in our time. Or is this idea that as long as I have the right belief, as long as I say the right little 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 uh, prayer uh, on a Sunday, then I'm fine to do whatever I want? No. No. Everything about what John's writing is is weaving and integrating beliefs and your life, your life and your doctrine. Can't separate them. If they don't line up, then one is very off. And the reality is what often is off is the faith part. And we tell ourselves we believe something, but it doesn't translate into our life, that we actually really need to go back and think, do I actually really believe that? Because if I really believe that, I wouldn't live this way. I mean, really, you think about that. If you really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except they're in. And, and, and yet, you don't follow anything he has to say about your life? That's crazy. But it's crazy. Right? One of my kids, I won't tell you which one, right? I got, we, moved, we moved house this week here within Perth, and you know, they, they had gotten some fairy lights for their room, so that narrows it down. It wasn't Jake. You know, and, 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 and she's putting them together and putting them up. And, you know, Michelle goes in and they're having some discussion about how much time does the, the 3M tape need to be on the wall before you hang something on. Right. And, and you know, they thought doesn't matter. The manual said otherwise. Right. Now, if you believe what the manual said, if you believe they're the manufacturer, if you believe they designed the product they're putting their name on the product. Everything about the product, you know, and their profitability as a business hinges on the effectiveness of the product. You've got to trust that what they say is probably the proper way. But if we don't, there'll be problems. Right? Now, amen, so far they haven't fallen down, you know, but, but it would be nice if they fell down because it would make the illustration even better, you know. But, but, but again, you've got to think, okay, if, if, if he is the creator, but you think about it, if he is the source of life, Eternal life. And he says, hey, here's the path. <laughs> Who else are you going to listen to? No one else gets those you know, legendary terms attached to their name. No one else in history makes those declarations and backs it up by the resurrection from the dead. But man, do we listen to it? Or do we try to separate them? Because we're comfortable with the message that makes us feel better about our final destiny. But we realize, man, there's part of me that doesn't really want to follow that day in and day out. So let me just separate. Let me just compartmentalize. I'm putting on my church clothes now, so let me ask, let me act churchy. Right? And then I'm off doing other things, and I just, you know, let me just hopefully no one from church sees me. That's separating, guys. That's separating. It's been going on. For a long, long time. You've got to keep them together. There's no separating them. Amen? Third and lastly, and much faster, I promise. Right? This faith that, that he's proclaiming, that they were hearing from this eyewitness, this faith that encompasses not just ideas, but your day in and day life, you know, right? How you live, right? We, 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 again, we attach a meaning to this idea of faith that's very narrow, 
right? And usually when we hear faith, it's just like how I feel in terms of believing something. When John uses faith, when the vast majority of the Bible uses faith, they're talking about like the faith, like the body of teaching, the entire New Testament. That's a faith, right? That message and that person that's wrapped up in that message and one of the same, man, it, op- it opens the door to fellowship. And, and, and that little phrase in that verse, in verse 3, right? Again, the, the end of the introduction to the letter, letter, right? John is saying, look, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that... Here's the intent behind the entire letter. The intent behind all of Christianity, really. Everything that that, that God has done and that the apostles have endured and recorded down and passed down to us is with this intention. So that we can have fellowship, right? With, with, With the apostles and with God the Father and the Son. Fellowship, that's a powerful word. We use it for having a cup of coffee after this. That's not what John's talking about. It's this Greek word, koinonia. A lot of times it was used even in the, in the household setting for that of a marriage, a husband and wife. Fellowship, bound together. Everything they do, they do together. It was also used in the Greek secular world for business partners. Two parties who had invested everything they had into a joint venture and were in it together. Connected together, bound together. And you think about that idea that John's saying, look, I'm telling you all this so that you can be together, so you can live your life bound together with your creator. Bound together with his son. And those relationships, man, they open the door to life, to real life. Not the false artificial forms of life that the world sells us. Not the imitations that are cheaply made that can never deliver what God can deliver. And I think that's why the very end of the letter, he throws in, I mean, it's kind of funny, as you read the whole letter, right? At the very end, what does he say? Oh yeah, keep yourself from idols. He's kind of like, what are you talking about, man? You didn't mention that before, and you just kind of throw that out there. But what's he offering He's offering fellowship with your creator. Now, what's an idol? You're trying to worship anything other than that creator. And he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to unpack and show you the path to having that, to having that relationship, to being bound together with your God. And that path and that partnership will ultimately lead to true life. But man, Satan, the devil, the adversary, The tempter, he is offering counterfeit versions of those things. He's offering watered-down version. He's offering the the light version of that same thing. And you've got to be careful. You don't buy the cheap-made one. You don't bind yourself to the one that cannot ultimately deliver. Most of us, before we became Christians, we tried a lot of different things to try to find life. Meaning, purpose, the deeper questions in life. Relationships, career, these were the idols we tried to use. And John's warning the church that, hey, there are false forms of Christianity. And you've got to steer clear of those as well. And you've got to walk the path. Be partners together. Join with the apostles. Enjoy fellowship with the Son, with, the, with, with God the Father. And you will find life. Amen?
So that's a challenge for us. As we begin to look at 1 John, hopefully that spurs you on to dig deeper into it. To navigate the difficult waters of life that we have. To hold to that narrow road. And walk together. And face judgment day with confidence. That's a great verse in there, isn't it? I want to have confidence on judgment day. But I won't if I separate the man from the message. I won't if I buy into a watered-down version of Christianity that was invented in the 19th century in America. Now we've got to get back to the roots and to the beginning and cling to that and to that alone. Amen? Let's have a prayer and it will stand and sing with masks one final song. Now, Father, we, uh, we, we again, we thank you, God. We thank you that you are the source of true life. We thank you that you appeared, God, because you knew we needed not just words, but a, a flesh and blood example in your son, Father. Amen. And we pray that we can be a people, God, that, that you know, live up to the term disciple. Amen. Be a student, a follower. Not just in thought, but in life. Not just in some tenet of a belief, but in our, how, how we live day in and day out, God. Father, help us to avoid the, the, the many extremes that try to separate different aspects of Christianity, letting go of that which is difficult and holding to that which is easy, God. Help us to accept the full package, God, and to cling to it in, in, in its entirety, to bind ourselves to you uh, in koinonia, in fellowship with the apostles and with you and with your son, God. Help us in all these things, God. We do pray for, for the, you know, as we did before, even for the weeks ahead, God, as we look at this text, as we... As we dissect this letter, God, we, we pray you help us, God, to integrate the truth of the gospel into our lives and, and weave it, God, into a beautiful tapestry, God, where, where our words line up with our actions, where our beliefs are seen in how we live and how we love, God. Amen. Help us in all these things, God. Be that advocate that you promised to be, God, and help us, God, to keep from idols. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's stand together and sing Mighty to Save.